Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. Today's episode is relevant to anyone who drives a car, flips on a light switch, or flushes their toilet. That's pretty much every single one of us, isn't it? Today's conversation is all about the trades, and no matter what you think about blue-collar careers, they are critically important for the future of our society. My guest today is Aaron Witt, self-proclaimed chief dirt nerd and CEO of Build Wit, a marketing and software business focused on helping the dirt world, infrastructure, and natural resources solve its workforce challenge. During our conversation, Aaron shares his journey from high school through college to starting his own very successful business. We talk about the continuing need for trade workers and how parents can help their kids explore and pursue a lucrative career in the trades. Be sure to stay tuned to learn more about how a college degree might be helpful in the trade industry and why the dirt world is a cool place to work. Now let's get started. Hi, Aaron. Thanks so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm extremely excited to be on this show. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Um, And I'm super excited to have you. As my listeners should know by now, I am very passionate about alternate paths, whether it be in a tech business, a trade business, you know, anything that's not the typical college path after high school. I love to learn more about those and help provide information and resources to my listeners. So before we get started, let's just share or I'll ask you to share with my audience a little bit about who you are and your background and and how you got to building build wit. Yes, we actually published a podcast series titled exactly that last month. My name's Aaron Witt. I run a company called Build Wit today. We do marketing, media, and software for heavy construction companies, mining companies mostly in the United States, but we're getting to be international now. I'm 27 years old. I grew up the son of a tax lawyer, very white collar, very upper class, no blue collar experience, exposure, anything growing up. And I had never considered blue collar until I borrowed money from a friend's dad for an aquarium project. I borrowed $200 and his stipulation was you come and work in Montana to pay your debt off. And if you work past your debt, I'll pay you. So I ended up staying there for the whole summer. Uh, I was in high school at the time, early in high school. And I, I worked for the first time in my life. I'd never worked hard before. I was by myself for 10 plus hours a day out in the field or cutting trees down or doing whatever I needed to do that sobered me up pretty quick to to life, to the realities I was facing, to the the whole I better figure some things out type thought process. So in high school, I, I later in high school started to really consider, you know, what do I want to do in life? And I, I had a, a 
two gifts. One was I really believed I could go do anything. And, and I really could go do anything. I was in a, a, a position to do so and where I grew up and financially and whatever it was. And then two, I didn't have my parents saying, you should do this or that. They truly just gave me a blank slate. So it was my senior year in college. I was thinking hard about what the heck to do with my life. There was a big construction project that popped up in my neighborhood. And I would watch the construction project after school every day. I'd drive over there in my little Toyota and I'd watch them work. And it was big concrete pipe and there was a big excavator and they were uh, essentially preventing the neighborhood from flooding in large storm events. But everybody didn't know that. Everybody was all angry about it. But I loved it. And the trucks going in and out of the neighborhood all said Pearson Construction Corporation on the side. So I said, well, I thought, why don't I Google Pearson Construction Corporation? find their phone number, ask for Mr. Pearson and and meet with them and see if I could get into construction because this seems really exciting. And so I meet with Mr. Pearson in the fall of my senior year and I ask him for a job and he says, well, I can't hire you. You're 17 years old. You legally have to be 18. I turn 18 in the spring. I call him back and I say, I still want that job. And he says, okay, you can start as a laborer. So I start a week after high school on a construction crew, first time on a construction site, didn't even have a pair of pants, had to go buy jeans, had to go buy boots, had to go buy orange orange shirts, told my parents, hey, by the way, I'm a construction worker now. And I went to work as a construction worker in the summer of Phoenix, Arizona, right after high school. And that was when I was like, you know what? I think this is, this is for me. So I, I then went to school for construction engineering. Everybody went to college growing up. So that was it wasn't a decision to make. It was in, 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 in my life, just the next step. And during school, I worked every year. So I worked at a different construction company every year. I graduated after working for five different construction companies. I went into road construction and I started while I was working in road construction to tell stories about construction on social media. Cause I thought, Hey, this is such an amazing world. I love it. And yet no one's really talking about it online. And so I, I posted my pictures, I posted my videos, it took off. And eight months after graduating college, I quit to start BuildWit, which was me running around the United States with a camera, asking people if I could go visit their job sites to take pictures. Most people would say no. Every once in a while, someone would say yes. I'd take some pictures, I'd share them, share them with the company. Maybe they'd pay me even, which would be awesome. And one, two, six, here we are with uh, about 80 full-time people working with about 200 companies in multiple countries. And it's, it's, really, it's really grown over the past five years. That is an incredible journey. And there's so many things I love about that. Like, I love the fact that in a way it was happenstance. Like you, you saw the construction site, you decided I want to work there. And you didn't talk about persistence. You're 17. You can't work here. Okay. I'll be back when I'm 18. Construction in Phoenix, Arizona, which is, you know, hotter than the sun in the summer, but you're out there in jeans <laughs> as a laborer. I, I think it's, it was more stupidity and naivety uh, than, than <laughs> persistence, but here we are. <laughs> Probably a combination. So what did your parents think about all this? Were they like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Or were they like, okay, go for it? They just let me go, um, which I am eternally grateful for. And that's partially why I work so hard today is because I recognize that a lot of people don't have that opportunity to go chart their own course in life. 
for financial reasons or for parental pressure or whatever it may be where they're born, you know, in a different country, I have the opportunity. I had a blank slate and I better do something with it. And if I don't shame on me. So they just were like, okay, great. Go have at it. Have fun. Let us know if you need anything. It was the, my friend's parents that were sitting there like, what are you doing? And, 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 right. and the mothers, especially my friend's mothers, they would talk to me in like a concerned tone of voice. Mm-hmm. Are you, so you're, you're out there every day and in, in this, like, what are you, what are you doing? Why? They didn't get it, but I got it. It was miserable at times, but I got it. It's because I just love being around equipment. I love being on a job site and the feeling of working hard was really, um, fulfilling. Well, and I wonder how many parents looked at you and said, he went to college for this because I mean, right. Like how many how many people say, well, you can go work in the trades. You don't have to go to college, but some trade jobs do benefit from college. Some don't require it, but you learned obviously a lot in an engineering program. But I just wonder too, if that's what some of the parents were like, you spent all that money on college to go, you know, play in the dirt, (laughs) which you're not playing. We all know. Do you know what I mean? Like, was there a lot of, cause this, let's talk about the stigma. I mean, this is a great segue into that. Do people still question that and say, why are you doing this? Or do they get it now? Well, now they get it because, you know, I have 75 people working, 80 people working here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we have what we have now. It's not fully ironed out yet. I have a lot beyond this I want to go do, but now there's something to believe in. Um, until then, there were probably people like, "What are you? What are you doing?" But I've just always, I don't know why. I've I've just always somewhat ignored it, and I've felt such a strong pull in one direction that I've I've stayed on the path. But as far as the money is concerned, I didn't get out of college with any debt and not because my dad paid for the whole thing. It's because I worked the whole time. And I, I, I tell this story to people. So he put $10,000 into the market in 2008. I graduated high school in 2013. So that money had five years to grow. And by the time I was a freshman, it was $34,000. And he transferred the $34,000 to me my freshman year in its entirety and said, here's what I saved for you for college. Have at it. Wow. Wow. That's, that's brave uh, yeah. <laughs> and trusting. I, I, very, tr- very trusting. But my point with trust, and I'm not a parent, but I'm, I certainly lead people. It's if you trust somebody and say you trust them and follow it up with action saying that I really do trust you, nine out of 10 times, you're not going to go screw up that trust. It's when I say I trust you and then I do something that says I clearly don't trust you when I'm like, ah, no, you don't trust me. So I'm not going to be trustworthy in, in, um, in return. So he said, I trusted you. He gave me this $34,000. I uh, used a little bit for school, but put most of it back into the market, just dumb luck. And I worked during school, during the school year and all summer in construction. I made a killing, tons of money for four years. I bet. So I, I got bet. out of school with no debt. I lived well in school and I had nearly $100,000 when I graduated that I, I don't have anymore. I used it to start the company and pay myself for a few years. Um, but it was, it was partially because I was again set up. I don't want to make it seem like I've done this all myself. But two, I worked in the industry and, and made a ton of money while I was in school. Boy, that's that's inspiring for anybody who's considering um, that type of work and somebody who wants to go to college. So I keep hearing and reading over and over again that there's a people problem 
in in the trades. What do you say to that and how do we how do we improve that? It, it really is I I've, I've been I used to call it a challenge a problem now I call it a challenge because I do think it's something that we can truly overcome. The reality of of the trade situation is in construction alone, you have over 40% of the workforce estimated to retire before the year 2031. That's that's an 8-year window. We're about to lose 40 over 40% of our workforce and there's nothing that's really going to make up that 40%. And the scary thing about that is not just for people in the trades, but for people in general, is that the trades support society, food, water, shelter. You shower in the morning, that's the trades. You drive somewhere, that's the trades. You live in a house or an apartment or wherever you're at, you have a roof over your head, that's the trades. There's food at the supermarket. It doesn't get there without the trades. All of society is built upon the foundation that the trades create for everybody. So this is a problem that we have, this is, is, it's a problem that we have to solve. It's a challenge that we have to overcome. But that is to some people discouraging to me, very exciting. Because if I'm a young person right now, there's no other industry that I see today that has the opportunity that the trades have long-term. You see technology companies laying people off left and right right now. But the jobs available in America has, has only increased over the past few months, the six months. We're almost at a record amount of available jobs right now. And so we've had these other industries that have been prioritized, you know, real estate or finance or technology, and they've always been viewed as success. That's what you want to be doing. But they're adjusting right now because I think as a society, we've, we've swung the pendulum a little too far in that direction. And now it's swinging back to, hey, the trades will always be here. Like you think uh, plumbing, it doesn't matter what the economy looks like. People are always using their toilet. Right, <laughs> true. You know, uh, waste management. Yep. It, people don't stop throwing trash away when the economy goes down, for example. There's always things to do. There's there's total job security in this industry. And with this, this labor problem, this labor challenge, that creates massive opportunity for any young person right now. So how do we get young people excited about it? Because, you know, when I went to high school way back when we had, you know, we had trade classes, we had wood shop and metal shop, and that's not happening in most high schools today. So kids aren't getting exposed to it. It's all about exposure, right? And the opportunity to explore. And if you're lucky enough or curious enough to stop by a, a construction site near where you are and learn more, great. But how do we really instill some interest and, and excitement in young people? Everybody always says about our work is that we're making the construction industry dirt world sexy again. But I, I've never really agreed with that because I think it already is cool and sexy. It's just people don't know it even exists. That's our problem. I don't. We don't need to fabricate we don't need to make this world cool because it's already cool. There's already <laughs> big equipment and you're, you're building the world around you and you're working hard alongside other people working hard. You're battling the elements and it's so aligned with human nature and how we've evolved over tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. We didn't evolve to communicate on a screen and to be on a computer all day inside. We evolved to use our bodies, use our minds and create things. That's what our industry offers, but we need to tell that story. Historically, the construction industry, the mining industry, whatever it is, has just 
somewhat um, hidden under a rock for all different reasons, but we've all just operated in the shadows. And what? Let's just we just want to build stuff. We don't want to be bothered. Let's let's get out of the public the the public light here. But what that's done is now it's allowed all these other industries to control the narrative and to tell their stories and not only tell their stories, but create this massive perception problem for us. So what I started to do, why I started posting on social media is, hey, I recognized I can't go visit every high school in the United States, but what if I don't need to? Because where is every young person right now? Where is every high schooler in America? They're on their phones. They're on their phones. They're on Instagram. They're on TikTok. They're they're on their phones. And so if I can be there too, I can show them that, hey, so you've seen all this other stuff, but this is what mining really looks like. This is what laying pipe really looks like. This is what it takes to get power to your house. And just give them a, a glimpse into what I, I call it, like peeking under the hood of America. Like you look under the hood and this is what society you know, this is what really um, keeps society running and it's really cool. So my job, my role is exposing the industry, exposing the next generation through social media, meeting them where they are. Now, what's that next step? That next step is unfortunately lacking. There's, <laughs> there's not a clear entry point into the trades right now, which is unfortunate. Why does everybody go to college? Well, it's because it's most of the time, the path of least resistance. I don't have to tell my parents I'm not going to college. I don't have to explain myself to my friends why I'm not going to college. They tell me uh, what, how much money I need. I can go get that in debt, no problem. They tell me where to live, what classes to take, how long it's going to be. Everything is laid out for me. So of course I'm going to go down that path. But for construction right now, if you want to go get a job at a heavy civil earth moving company, it's, it's good luck. It's, you better call them and ask for a job and, and hopefully you get lucky. So now is our business is moving to the next step of how do we create a defined entry point and pathway into the industry? And I'm painting with a broad brush. There are great programs out there. There are amazing high school programs and tech tech school programs and all sorts of amazing programs, apprenticeships, but broad, you know, painting with a broad brush, there isn't one place for kids to go. Uh, so first step just expose young people to here's what the heck it takes to build our world. And then now is two, you want to be a part of that? Here's how you do it. Oh, that's exactly what we need. I love that you're doing that. And and yeah, meet them where they are. They're all on their phones. Might as well be there with them. That's if you exactly really want right. to get through to them. Yeah. 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 That's genius. And seems obvious, but I'm not sure it is to everybody. Um, so yeah, that entry point, that what do I do next? And again, from what I've seen in the high schools, for the most part, trades are not, there's not a lot of focus. It's not to say they're like brushing it under the rug and not talking about it, but it's not really the highlight, right? It's There's always like a college room, right? Where you can go and find out about scholarships and all the college information, but there's no like trades room. I tried to start that at our last, the high school where my boys went and it just it didn't catch on for a number of reasons, but even like some high schools now are starting to do, you know, how they do signing day for sports where kids are going to college. They're starting to do signing day for trades, which is amazing, right? You know, XYZ is going to go to electrical tech school or whatever it might be. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we'll be right back after a quick break. So let's talk about entry points. If there isn't a direct path or an obvious path, for young people, their best help at this point, I would think, is their parents, right? But I'm not sure parents know where to find the information, how to guide their kids in that direction. And we'll put links and stuff in the show notes later if you have any resources to share. But any advice for parents about how to get their kids moving in this direction if it's something they're interested in? The way I did it was I had to call a local company and ask for a shot. And I was talking to someone this morning about this. You have the older generation always saying, well, these kids just don't want to work, which clearly isn't true. They just work differently than the past generation did. And that pa- that generation worked differently than the generation. It, it, it's, it's happened like this for thousands of years. They work differently. But then I see a lot of younger people in their 20s, not necessarily high school, saying, well, they just don't want to give me a shot. And my response to them is, that's not how the world works. You have to go out and take it. You have to go out and earn it. And so for someone to find their way in, I've always encouraged people in high school to look in the community and find a way in. Find somebody who will bring you on with no experience. But then once you're there, you have to earn it. You have to work hard. I'm going to talk to a bunch of young people next week, and this is my process. Look in the community. Do you know anybody in the trades? Are there people within your world that are in this world? That's the first place I'd go. If not, I'd go to the internet. Everybody's pretty accessible nowadays. That's what I did. Pearson Construction Corporation was working in my neighborhood. I Googled Pearson Construction Corporation. I found their phone number. I went to their website. Okay, it's Rich Pearson that runs the company. He's the leader. So I called him up. You know, my voice was probably cracking and and shaking while I was doing it, but I asked for Mr. Pearson and he said, sure. And he gave me a shot. I think you need to look out for those opportunities. But once you're in the door, that's where it starts. One, you need to work hard and earn the respect of those around you. There's no shortcut and you are shortchanging yourself if you skip that step. So work hard, keep your head down, keep your mouth shut, and try to make everybody's life around you as easy as possible. Step two, then start learning from those around you. You start asking questions. You start asking, why are we doing it this way? And maybe those old timers won't educate you, but maybe you just watch how they do things and you can learn that way. So you learn and then you try do new things out. You know, maybe I go and try plumbing, but I just, plumbing is just not my thing. So then, but I have some experience now. Now I'm going to go to an electrical contractor. I'm going to go work in construction or wow, I know construction's for me. I'm going to go try to work for a small company. Ah, this small company really isn't for me. Now I'm going to go to a medium company. I try different things out. I reflect upon what am I naturally good at? What gets me excited? What am I drawn to? And I repeat the process. I have patience for the process. But I think first step is, It depends on every city, every community. Where is that entry point into the trades? That's where I would start. Um, And then from there, it's you work hard, 
you seek the wisdom of others, you reflect upon what you're good at, what you're naturally drawn to, and you have patience for the process. You're speaking my language when you talk about what am I good at? You know, what excites me? What am I drawn to? I think that's where it's at, right? I mean, how many people, not even kids, how many older people now are in jobs that they hate or they struggle in because it's just not their thing or they're just doing it for the paycheck. So I'm a big believer in helping young people get to know those things about themselves. Would you say there's benefit? And I'm sure, you know, this is again, probably very specific and individualized to the person, but is there a benefit to going to a school to learn a trade before you knock on somebody's door and say, give me a job? Or is it just, does it just depend? It really depends on the community you're in. So if there is a strong trade school in the community, that could be an option. If there are unions in your community, that could be an option. Uh, Or if you're in a place like Phoenix, Arizona, which didn't have either, you just find somebody that will give you a shot. Start at the bottom, start with a broom, start with a shovel, start however you can start and just get out there and get your foot in the door is, is the way to do it. But that's why it's so difficult is the trades are so fragmented and so varied per region that it, it really depends upon where you live. It could be a big city. It could be in a rural community. Everywhere is totally different. And of the people that you've worked with and that you interact with, are there certain traits that you've seen in people that make them more successful in the trades? Is there a type of person that will do better or somebody who should stay away from the trades? The cool thing about the trades is there's a little something for everybody. You can go become a CPA and go be a CFO at a construction company. You can go work in payroll. You can go be a, a lawyer, an engineer. That's why I say it's not college or no college. I've, I know a lot of people that work out in the field that have college degrees. I know one guy, he's in Tennessee. He went to nursing school and is now a foreman, now superintendent on a construction at a construction company, loving life. So thankful he's not actually a nurse, but he has the degree. He took the experience. He's now applying it to construction. He learned something. So it wasn't a wash. And so it's, hey, if school's for you, go to school, do it smart. Don't go get a bunch of debt, stay in state. You don't need to go get a bunch of debt for college. That's a, a fallacy. And I don't also subscribe to that as all these kids have, they just get $250,000 in debt. It's like, I know that's not always true because there's a state school in every state. There are options everywhere you are for low cost college. Just do it smart and then work your way through college. I think there's something for everybody. So if you're drawn to building things, it doesn't matter who you are, what skill set you have, there's a place for you somewhere within the trades. Yeah, great point. And if you're a super creative person, maybe you become an architect. Or if you, to your point, are good with numbers, you become, I don't know, a project manager and you keep a schedule and a budget and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think I think that's part of the stigma though, isn't it? Like working in working in a quote, blue collar environment means you have a shovel in your hand. Not that there's anything wrong with that or you're fitting pipes. Not that there's anything wrong with that either, but that there are all types of jobs in the, in the trades or trade like companies. Totally. And you don't need to know day one either. Go start with a shovel in your hand. That's probably the best place you could start in life is go work. No matter what you're going to ultimately end up doing, you're not going to lose in that scenario. You're going to learn so many valuable life skills. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. 
and you're going to make really good money. Great. My dad was a tax lawyer. You know what stories he would tell us growing up? He wouldn't tell us about the, 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 the cases he's won. He would tell us about the, the summers he worked in construction when he was in college. Those are the stories he would tell us. He's a very accomplished lawyer, but that's what he's most proud of a lot of times. And that's what put him on the path to being who he is. So if nothing else, I couldn't, I can't imagine for almost every kid, a better place to start in life than working hard. I can tell who has and hasn't worked hard. You can, because I think the people that haven't worked out hard are disadvantaged no matter who they are, what the resources, what their, what the resources they have. They just, they've missed out on such a crucial part of developing as a human being that I, I think, and this is where I think a lot of kids get all wrapped up too, is they think when I'm 18, I need to go figure out what I want for the rest of my life. Or I'm 23, I better have my career path sorted out. Or, oh, I'm 27, I better be making really good money. No, your you're late teenage years, your 20s, that's, that's the most precious time because you have the ability to go explore, learn who you are as an individual, and figure out then what you want to go do later in life. But to, fig- to, to think that you can make that decision when you're 18 years old is completely irrational, totally irrational. And it's so sad for me to watch these kids in their 20s so focused on just climbing the ladder, the next rung in their career, the next rung because they were put on this trajectory from the time they were 18. And now, now they're making good money. So now they have the golden handcuffs on. Now they're adjusting their cost of living to that income. And now they're on that path for the next 30 to 40 years until they break the chain. But it only gets more and more expensive to break it as you start to get a family and buy a house and have kids. Your 20s is is so precious because that's the time. Everybody's so concerned about balance in their 20s. Why are you concerned with balance? Nothing should be balanced in your 20s. That's the opportunity to be wildly unbalanced, to go do crazy things that you can't go do in your 40s to learn about who the heck you are. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Well said. Okay, so this has been enlightening and really, really informative. Thank you so much. Before we go, why don't we let everybody know where they can find you and follow you? Um, social media, email, website, all that kind of stuff. Sure. It's just Aaron Witt on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, everywhere. And then our website is buildwit, dot com. We put up weekly YouTube videos about job sites and mine sites around the world. So it's you get to experience like last week I was in Alberta in the oil sand mines. Next week I go to Hawaii, Honolulu to see some construction work out there. So it's every week experience a different job site, mine site, meet the people who do the work. Uh, and we try to keep it pretty fun. That sounds like a pretty cool gig. That's not bad. <laughs> and the po- and the podcast, you have your own podcast. And we have the Dirt Talk podcast where we interview a lot of sometimes construction executives, sometimes young kids that are 23 years old that employ six people and are having a great time in construction. I love that you call yourself Chief Dirt Nerd, too. I think that's an amazing title. Too many people take themselves too seriously. I try to lighten things up a little bit. (laughs) You sure do. And you're doing a great job of it. I appreciate it. 
Thanks again for being here. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. What an amazing journey. I think it's pretty awesome that Aaron took so much initiative as a teenager and wasn't afraid to follow his own path. I'm a big believer that teens and young adults should hold a job, even if it's part-time while they go to school. There's on-the-job learning that just doesn't happen in a classroom. There's such an enormous need for people in the trades, and that need continues to grow every year as tradespeople age out and retire. Just start with a shovel in your hand. Or as Aaron noted, there are plenty of jobs in the trades that would benefit from a college degree. So even if your teen is committed to attending college, they can still consider working in a trade field as an architect, an accountant, a project manager, or a host of other positions. The point is that the possibilities are endless, and as Aaron put it, he and his team are making the dirt world cool again. Be sure to check out Aaron and Buildwit on social media and YouTube. They have some pretty incredible videos posted. As always, links and references mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. I'd love it if you would connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have a minute, please give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's it for now. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.